Welcome to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. We recently spoke with Cause partner Melanie Bond regarding the viability of the proposed $750 million new Hobart Stadium. Special guest partner at Cause, Melanie Bond. Uh, welcome to the show, Melanie. Thank you very much. And I might throw straight to you, Judge, because you've got a passion of looking at this AFL team for Tasmania. You see it as a threat to your Saints, I believe. You've gone into a deep dive into the stadium issue, and uh, that's why you've got Melanie on today. So I might toss to you and uh, you can introduce Melanie and uh, take her through what you'd like to talk about. Thanks, Professor. Uh, Melanie, thanks for coming on the show. Um, look, just give us a bit of your, the, the, the elevator pitch of your CV, but uh, as Mark says, you're a partner at Cause, and uh, what sort of work do you specialise in? Yeah, sure. I'm a specialist in infrastructure procurement. Uh, I mainly act for governments in the procurement of social infrastructure. And um, I just love the work that I do because you're delivering a physical thing uh, within a policy and a political framework and it all has to fit together. So that's me. Thanks, Melanie. And I've noticed that you've got a particular interest in work practice in, is it stadia or stadiums? (laughs) <laughs> whichever is easiest to say, I think. Oh, well, go Stadia. And, and I was just interested in a recent article you wrote um, on construction of Stadia, uh, sports Stadia, and um, the main points that you raised were what the, the whoever's putting it up has got to get right is legacy, innovation, integration and funding. Uh, yes. Now, I've had a look at this um, proposed stadium I'm not even sure if it is a proposed stadium in a sense that I'm not sure if there's any buy-in from the AFL Commission who have been very quiet on all of this. I'm not sure if there's been any buy-in from the, Victorian, the Tasmanian government. And I don't think the AFL, in their, and this is their history, they don't pay for things. And I'm just wondering, I just want to go to the funding, the financing first. Um, if you had a look at it, and what, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, so it's pretty clear we're very far from having a fully funded stadium here. Um, So governments, you know, uh, there have been certain announcements made about the intention to build the thing subject to the AFL granting a licence, but I think it's fair to say that that's purely what I would call an announceable. So usually in the government procurement process, um, you know, before you even make a decision about whether you're going to go ahead, you've got to do a fully detailed business case. And from what I can see, we're quite far from that here. We've just got some sort of preliminary numbers, which seem to be back of an envelope. And I suspect that the announcements are to create some momentum around the idea um, and I did see, I think, the Premier saying that um, basically they're going to be seeking funding from all levels of government as well as the private sector and equity um, uh, for this project. But as far as I can tell, there's no committed funding. Sorry to butt in, Melly. I was just going to ask quickly if I can. It looks pretty impressive uh, as all things do in the image. There's even a ferry terminal there. You could jump off the Spirit of Tasmania as long as you don't get COVID on the way down and straight into the game. <laughs> Yes, perhaps you could, but again, um, you know, there are a whole lot of things about this proposal that are yet to be sort of finalised as far as I can see. All the transport links um, by ferry or even by public transport, none of that presently exists. Melanie, I don't think the terminal looks big enough to fit the spirit of Tasmania and it might take out the goalposts on the way in, I think. <laughs> if, you, if you said back of envelope, if I said a thought bubble, is that sort of a similar 
uh, kind of thing, but it's just it's just no more than that at this stage. I think that's probably right. It's probably a reasonably developed thought bubble in that someone will have done some, I know they've done site evaluations and sort of, you know, some preliminary analysis, but certainly nothing that you would make an investment decision based on. You probably, the, the, the figure being tossed around is $750 million. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if, from your perspective, if there's any science or solid science behind that figure, particularly as I think the AFL insists on a retractable roof. Yes, look, I haven't um, seen any uh, any supporting information for those numbers. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I'm sure a QS could give you a general uh, sense of how much these things cost per siege. But as you say, um, you know, we're building, this thing would be built in a very uncertain uh, economic environment and the construction industry is facing a lot of challenges at the moment, including with supplies like the supply of steel, um, which you require for big buildings like this and big buildings with retractable roofs. Big buildings like this, big buildings with retractable roofs in Hobart, Melanie. Um, Hobart, you don't think of naturally when you think of massive infrastructure projects. Um, I, I would have thought that uh, Hobart was the easiest place to, uh, to put this kind of project together? It is or it isn't? Well, I, I think it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, you know, we have, well, since the GFC, governments have been using infrastructure as a means of econo- economic stimulus, but, you know, they've been able to do that because money's been cheap um, and, you know, we've had population growth and, you know, healthy stamp duty revenues because people have been, you know, the property market's been going bananas, but some of those sort of factors aren't there anymore. So I think it's going to be more challenging to fund, but also there's more competition um, in the construction market for labour and skills. And you've got all these mega projects going on in the other states. Um, So I think, you know, finding um, the right contractor uh, to, and contractors and their subbies and all the trades that they need to build something of this kind will certainly be challenging for them. I was just going to say, all we need is that bloke from Mona on board, the one who set up a brewery <laughs> in their art gallery with body parts on the wall. If he signs up, don't worry, 1.75 billion wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was actually looking at the um, infrastructure budget for Queen uh, Tasmania um, earlier this morning and looking at the forward estimates I think in each year for the next five years they're saying they're going to spend about one to 1.2 billion dollars a year on infrastructure so 750 million is a massive massive um, chunk of their annual spend Um, so I'm not sure where the money's coming from. And it'd get you a lot of art galleries with body parts on the wall. (laughs) Yeah maybe maybe some gambling money might help us here. (laughs) Possibly. Melanie, just on that, the, the federal government, I don't think it's ever been approached. Uh, they just had to agree to give back $750 million on COVID payments for, um, for people without sick leave. So th- th- there's $750 million gone straight away. It's yes. a new government. Um, it's, a, it's a project that they haven't even considered. I would have thought that with the best of intentions, this will be some time down the future for the, uh, the new government to even consider. Yeah, I would think so. And as you know, the go- the wheels of government turn re- relatively slowly. So I think, um, 
you know, they, I think the Commonwealth would want to see a fairly robust business case as well before it decided to commit any money to it. So I think the private sector might be yes. somewhere that we might look and that's, a facility... Well, that's heading, Melanie, that the private sector might, in fact, be the only place to go. I mean, obviously, sport isn't ahead of power for the Commonwealth Government, so they have to have specific funding. So they have to be a massive following in the, in the federal government. I don't see it. Can you see private funding coming to the party with this? Look, potentially, I think the conditions would have to be perfect. Um, so, you know, when you talk about making these stadia attractive to the private sector, I think it has to be where there's a comp like a, a suite of other commercial opportunities and revenue streams available. So whether it's hotels, car parking, retail, all those other things that can go with it. I think if you can aggregate those things, people can get their head around it. But even then, you're going to have to have some kind of government subsidy, whether it's providing the land, providing ongoing um, support for operations, a support for, you know, the capital cost, um, yeah, it's hard to see a project like this working. Even All we have at the moment that we know of is a three-hour football match every second weekend. Uh, that's that's not going to cut it, I would have thought, for a private financier. No, I wouldn't think so either. I think, you know, you'd need a higher degree of utilisation um, and, as I said, other commercial opportunities nearby. Your parking lawn system, John, the Tasmanian proposal is to also upgrade that stadium there, spending $200 million on that, with the plan that out of the 11 games, half will be played in Hobart and half will be played in Launceston. Now, that doesn't seem to make sense if, if I'm picking up what Melanie's talking about. That So you're automatically going to take half the AFL games away from this new stadium and play them somewhere else. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Is it, guys, and this is a question for Melanie, but for everyone else, is it just a furphy to give the AFL or something a way to say no to them if they don't build that? Because you've got Bloodstone Arena down there at the moment where you play AFL football's approved to play at that stadium and also test cricket, and you have a ground in Launceston, which is also approved to play AFL football. Do they need a st another stadium? If, while they're playing AFL football down there now, why do they need this stadium to have a Tasmanian team? You can play AFL football on the grounds that they're already playing at. Well, I'm not sure I can comment on the AFL's perspective because it seems to me like they're saying it is a condition of, um, you know, Tassie getting a team that they have one. But... Um, just to talk a little bit about needing another stadium, I, I feel like stadia are just such powerful cultural structures, you know. They're, real, they're really a statement about, you know, all the things that we want to be socially, economically, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's a real statement, isn't it, about Tassie, that, you know, we've arrived, we're a real state, we have elite sport, well, we're a place to come and see part. elite sport. <laughs> The Daryl Baldock Bar, the um, Matthew Richardson Bar. Um, what else can we have down there? A bit of concrete, nice padded seats and a nice bar named after a league footballer. Eh? Uh -huh. or the, what about the um, Ricky Ponting TAB? Is it James Bogues or Cascade though? That's always the drama down there. 
Yeah. Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because my understanding is that, um, I mean, obviously gambling venues go, you know, provide good revenue streams for sporting facilities, but I think that's sort of maybe something that's becoming a bit of a thing of the past, isn't it? No, the facility at the uh, MCG. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, there's a fair bit going on around Australia and, the, um, uh, and New Zealand with upcoming sporting events, major sporting events, I'm just wondering whether the governments, I'm talking federal governments here, focus will more likely be on, on those events. And, and you've outlined those in your paper, but there's, there's a bit going on uh, in Australia. There is a huge amount going on. I mean, you know, first of all, we've got the Commonwealth Games and the in Melbourne in 2026, those guys got to get their skates on. We've got up here in Brizzy, we've got the um, Olympics happening in 2032 and that's already, you know, the subject of a lot of discussion between the Commonwealth and the Queensland governments. And then you've got a whole lot of other stadia coming up. I think we've got um, just a whole lot of massive sporting events coming up. So we've got mm. the Basketball World Cup and the Netball World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, I think there'll be a lot of competition for Commonwealth funding in this space. And as we know, with COVID and other things, you know, the pot's sort of smaller than it might otherwise have been for this kind of activity. Melanie, another thing that um, is a, a major concern for Stadia around the world is their legacy. I mean, we, we've all, those of us who are old enough, remember the, the Montreal uh, Olympics, and I'm not sure if Montreal is still paying for their stadium. Um, I think London got it right because uh, of how and where they built it, but legacy is a massive issue for Stadia. I would have thought there'd be some concerns if there was it was just AFL as the the only show in town, so far as that stadium is concerned, about it being viable in the long term, particularly considering the maintenance and upkeep costs. Oh, absolutely. So I think you know from what I can see, it is proposed that you'll be able to play other games at this stadium, um, and that rectangular sports will be allowed um, and that potentially um, concerts can be held there as well. Um, Of course, you know, that is important, I think, as you say, for legacy and making sure that this structure is uh, fit for purpose and and economically viable over the long term. does raise a few technical issues for construction because, of course, every um, sport has its own particular technical requirements. You've got to consider... You know, the time of year it's being, the sport's being played, what the sun will be like at that time of the year or at the relevant times of the day. Can't have athletes, you know, um, running around with the sun in their eyes. And then for different sports, you know, you need um, the spectators to be at just the right distance from the action um, to sort of optimise the experience for the audience. So well, We've got a rugby league guy um, just sitting above you from where I sit, uh, Paul Delegan. Um, Paul, what would be the question without notice, but what would be the appetite for rugby league in Tasmania? I'm not enormous, I don't think. Um, probably similar. To, I'd be worried they'd follow the same fate as when they had the Adelaide Rams, who were more <laughs> of a, a baby lamb than a ram. Um, the Western Reds struggled for any sort of traction over there in Perth. That's why some queried why they took the Origin game to Perth. I think Rugby League and our, our man Peter Volandis has focused on known, successful, proven areas, and that's why the expansion team wasn't into the great unknown. 
it was into Brisbane, which is the fastest growing capital that I'm aware of in the, in the country, and it's rugby league heartland. So they would have had the choice to go to Adelaide, Perth, Northern Territory, New Guinea, um, all of which have an established rugby league base. Tasmania, though, it's certainly not on the radar for rugby league. Tom, mate, I think I'd grab a fair amount of cricket there, especially the big bash and that um, Hobart are pushing and get a test every second year. There's that kind of, you know, for five test series, you know, there's always a question of WA, Tassie, Adelaide and that. Um, so that would certainly give them a good push for test cricket and international cricket and big bash cricket. Looking is, at that stadium photo, it could be like that San Francisco baseball stadium where they, they're in canoes in the water yeah. getting the, yeah, ball. Hit the ball. You hit the ball out of the ground and you catch it in the boat. <laughs> I think a red Sharon might, might not Sharon, a red Stephen might sink that, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, white, the white cricket ball might go through uh, the hull. Look, it is, it is kind of interesting, Paul. I mean, you raise the fact that this um, stadium is going to be right on the waterfront and I think there's going to be definitely some challenges there. Just, you know, first of all, it's built on reclaimed land from what I can yeah. tell. Um, but just even the fact that it is there on that waterfront, it's going to have to be sort of sensitive to where it is. You would hate to have this big... BMS sort of, you know, hulking thing on the on the on the shore of the river. It's quite interesting. If they Somewhere can build that for seven fifty million, my name is Ricky Ponting. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Ricky's got it. Well, Gilding, um, Gilding, just before you go, Judge Gilding. Interestingly, the reports I read, the government has said that cricket will stay where it is at the moment at Bell Roof. It's not going to move to the new stadium. So. I don't think they know what they're doing. Uh, yeah, well, would you need the two ovals there? Really? Just have one or the no. other, wouldn't you? Exactly. So I think they can play at Bloodstone Park anyway, or Bell Reef. Melody, spoken about the legacy um, innovation and, and funding, I just want to talk about the integration. That, that's your other point about Stadia. And um, mm -hmm. uh, look, it, it's all unknown because <laughs> there's no real proposal, but can you uh, comment on the possible integration? of that stadium uh, in its environment. Yeah, sure. So I suppose, uh, I know we talked about it earlier and, and you know, it is a little bit um, unclear what's proposed here, but, you know, making sure that you're optimising the commercial opportunities around the assets can be really important. I think accessibility to the assets is going to be critical. Um, so, you know, pedestrian access, um, easy access to major roads and public transport's key. And then I think the other thing is going to be ensuring that there's a really high level of community involvement in, you know, what the uses are there. And I know in particular they've got the regatta there that happens every, I don't know, three days a year or something every year. So there's that historical connection there. But also the fact that you've got the Cenotaph nearby and the RSL, I imagine... You know, there's sort of, um, I don't know whether there are any synergies in those things, but they're the things that I would be thinking about in terms of integration. And, of course, as you mentioned, there's Mona nearby, so I don't know. Maybe there are some opportunities to kind of, you know, uh, develop something that takes into account both things. Um, but it is tricky. Melanie, have, I, have I missed, John, Sorry. what are they talking about for capacity? 
to this alleged new stadium. What are they they trying to build? Has anyone seen anything about whether they want a $25,000? 27000 27000 yeah. yeah, it's not massive. No, it's a pretty small stadium. Well, particularly when there's a 20,000 stadium just down the road. But, yeah. uh, Melanie, if, if everything went, all the ducks were lined up, how long would it take to build this thing? <laughs> well, I would expect it'll take a couple of years just to design this thing, um, to be honest. Um, so I think, you know, uh, oh, probably another three years on top of that to build it, I would have thought. And given Sounds the about right. Why the construction costs seem to have just gone nuts, certainly the last 12 months, two years, um, whatever price you've got today, surely is not going to the price in, uh, let's just say, five years' time. Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, and it, it's manifesting in two ways. One is, you know, cost of supplies, and we talked a bit about steel and other commodities earlier, um, but it's also time, like they're just incredible delays on getting these things into the country and yes they it's costly and um, in construction time is money um, and builders developers will expect the government to bear the risk of those delays there's no two but ways it's more it. expensive in tasmania because i know they've got a lot of wood but i don't, I don't see them having a lot of tasman of uh, concrete lying around the place i'm just wondering if a Tasmanian project like this would cost more than the mainland? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question. I couldn't tell you for sure um, whether that's the case. Instinctively, that might be right, um, but I, I couldn't say for sure. By the time this thing's built, I think that motor will be as big as a Westfield. Beautiful. John, um, just on that, I was speaking to someone that's building a house that knocked down the block of land, built a house and got the quote originally six months ago. And he said the new price, with all the different kind of things required just to build a house, has gone up 15% in six months. So yeah. God well, knows well, what it would be like in four Melanie, you're, you're involved with big infrastructure projects. I'd imagine similar stories uh, you're hearing. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, these are all live issues on all the projects that I'm working on at the minute. And even where we have... A risk allocation that says actually, you know, cost of all these things is is for the private sector to bear. Where, you know, governments are having to have conversations about those things because we're really in sort of uncharted waters at the moment, and this thing is prolonged. Like, you know, we thought we were sort of coming out of it, but we're seeing with China in the state it's in, um, and you know, all the issues in the Ukraine. It's just. Very challenging. Well, thanks, Melanie. Um, th th that gives us an objective, uh, unbiased view of this uh, project. Um, I, I think all of us uh, on the panel would like to see a Tasmanian football team. I think the concern that we've all got is that this is just, um, um, it's been rushed, as you say, back of envelope. And uh, I think to summarise, there's a fair bit to go before we're anywhere near getting to the stadium. Would that be... A good summary of what you're saying? I think that's a very good summary, yes. Good. Thanks, Melanie. Well, John, it really is a Mexican standoff because the AFL say no stadium, no AFL team. Tasmanian government say no AFL team, no stadium. Oh, and, and then the AFL says uh, it has to be a 19th team. The Carter report says 
you can you can you can transplant a team that has. I think it's it, it, it. Melody, trust me, behind the scenes, it's a mess, um, and this is just just adds to the um, the chaos. It seems to me. You can watch the ABC reruns of Utopia to find a similar situation, John. All right, Melanie, uh, look, thanks very much for being with us today and spending some time talking. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to the channel. You can find more Sports Fan Radio on our YouTube channel.